This episode of Chasing Dreams is sponsored by the brand new podcast, Your Personal Hype Man with Amy J. For more information, please visit yourpersonalhypeman.com. Hi, everyone. I am Tanisha Jackson Warner, CEO and founder of Igami Group and the author of the newly released book, The Big Stretch. And you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you guys so much for kicking the new year off with us and listening to Chasing Dreams. This is episode 215. 215. Can you believe it? I have my new friend Tanisha here. We are going to talk about a lot of things. Most importantly, I want to remind you guys that this is also kicking off Black History Month. Tanisha is a fantastic example that I wanted to bring to you guys and highlight her story, and I couldn't find a better Dream Chaser to kick off the month. So, Tanisha, how are you doing? I am wonderful. I'm thrilled to be here. And I have to tell you, I've done a lot of media interviews, Mm -hmm. but I have not done one that was all about chasing dreams. So this is like my cup of tea and I can't wait. You know, it's interesting because when you came across my desk, right, and I get these requests and I've said no, uh, actually recently, because, you know, with this new year, we're kicking off a new direction. We want to kind of chase mindset. We want to chase the way people are thinking about chasing their dreams. And so when your story came across my desk, I was like, we need to talk. We need to talk. Because I think with your story and your book and everything you're doing, it is an example to help people get their mind right about chasing their dreams. Because I think oftentimes we think, I mean, it took me till I was probably 33 before I actually accepted to make a difference and and pivot. I started at 28, but really only 33. What do I feel like I took control of my life? And I think we often think we're not enough, mm-hmm. you know, other people weighing in. And so wanted to talk to you a little bit about mindset and chasing your dreams. And I thought, you know, let's start off in the beginning. As with all things, I think at this point, you guys know, I'd like to hear where did young Tanisha begin to dream? What did she want to do? Oh, man. And when you say beginning, like beginning after college or beginning like little Tanisha? Little Tanisha. So I grew up, um, my mom and my father, it wasn't traditional at all. So my mom actually um, had me at 15 years old. My dad was also a teenager. So there was nothing about the start of my existence that was traditional. Mm -hmm. I can remember dropping my mom off at college at Florida State University. So, um, yeah, that, that goes to tell that you. That tells like, you. Yeah. <laughs> very different. So when my mom went away to college at FSU, and then my father also went to college, I actually stayed with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember using my imagination a lot when I was little. Um, I can remember getting an assignment from, I think this was my first grade teacher. And my first grade teacher said, you can be whatever it is that you want to be. Um, 
you know, but you need to love it. So go off and think about it. And this is a really funny story, Amy. So I took the assignment like so serious. Right. And um, I realized that I absolutely loved cleaning. I like love cleaning. And I remember that my my teacher, Miss Thomas, said that you need to love it. And I can remember making a bed and thinking, this is it. This is it. And my grandmother worked the late night shift. So I had to wait up until she got off and she didn't mm-hmm. get off work until like midnight. And I ran up to her and I was like, I know what I want to do. I know what I'm going to tell Miss Thomas. And she was like, okay, tell me. And I was like, I want to be a maid. And I was waiting for this response. And I could tell in her face that I said something wrong. And I didn't know why. And she said, well, you can't do that. And I said, I can because she told me all I had to do was love it. And then my grandmother said, well, you need to pick something else. And I mean, it was like really bringing up all of these emotions. And she said, listen, I was a maid. I clean houses for majority of my life. And I'd be damned if you're going to do that. And so, you know, looking back now as an adult, I get it. What she was saying is, I really have a bigger dream for my family than that. And and, and if that's what you're doing, I, I want you to know it's it's nothing wrong with that career. My my grandmother actually started out and she she started our family with that. But what she was saying to me was, no, I want to push you. I want it to be more. But for me, as little young Tanisha, I really did process that as, well, maybe I shouldn't do what I love. You know, oh. like I didn't get it. Like I didn't get like, why was she so upset? Yeah. And so- wow. Um, it wasn't until years later that I've, I've been more reflective. Um, but I think I told my young, like first grade self that it's not enough to love what you do. You love cleaning. But my grandmother said, I can't do that. And I really do think I made an agreement with myself at an early age. Well, maybe I would impress them if it's about the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started throwing out things that would actually have a spark in my grandmother's eye or, you know, whoever I was telling. And I noticed if I said I want to become a lawyer or if I said I wanted to become, um, you know, a doctor, there was something about the spark in the other person's eye that said to me, that's right. And and I was really just throwing things out that made a lot of money. Sure. So, yeah, that was my first memory of a dream, Amy. (laughs) There's so much there. There's so much there. So there's so much there. One. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, if if you are in hospitality, if you are a maid, if you are a dishwasher, whatever, that is not what she's saying. All right. I just want to make sure you all understood. There's nothing but respect for everyone in those professions. Okay. There's nothing like that. I think the bigger point that's being made is if that's what you want to do all the all the more power to you yeah but make sure that that's the highest you're dreaming it, i think is the, the mm-hmm. point you know dream high don't settle for something just because it's easy to get to right yeah and, yeah. and i think that's the the point of it but the the thing that i love and the, the thing i knew there was a reason you're on the show the fact that you and i think we all do it i i did it was when people said, what are you going to be? You said something that would put a spark in their eye. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, growing up for me, I would say compu- I, I became a computer scientist because that's oh, what was expected. We're connected. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is why we're friends. This is it's was expected 
for an Indian to be a doctor, a lawyer, scientist, you know, those were the, the things. And that was fine. I didn't hate it, but I just didn't really wasn't fulfilled by it, mm-hmm. you know? And so for me, I had an epiphany at 28 pivoted. Right. And, and, but still knew, Hey, do what you want, but still was fighting that. And it sounds like, you know, you were also kind of going through that. What was it that made you, let me, let me t- take a step back. Did you stop putting spark in people's eyes and focus on yourself? Did that point ever come to you? Well, actually, Amy, and you're really going to like get a kick out of this because this Mm -hmm. is where we are connected. You know, for years, for 20 years after that, it really was about the spark in the other person's eye. And I actually um, ended up majoring in, get a kick out of this, computer science, Amy. So I majored in computer science. Um, I did very well in college. After college, I landed a job with IBM Global Services. And I was really on a fast track. Um, I was there for five years. I was climbing the corporate ladder. Um, I was a project manager. One of my lead client accounts was Best Buy, a $4.2 million account. And everything on the outside looked perfect. Of course, my family was happy. But there was a nagging inside of me Mm -hmm. that started to go off probably like year two. You know, signals saying something's not right. and I ignored those signals. Hold on. Let, let me, okay. Let me pause you. <laughs> what was that signal like? Because I think some people listening may be hearing this and may also be thinking, I'm feeling something. What was your signal? Because we all have it differently, but what was yours? So my signal, it was a few different things. Number one, um, I never was excited to go into mm-hmm. work. Okay. Um, and I think that was probably year one. And then by year two, it actually morphed into something different where I noticed on the weekend, I dreaded Mondays. Mm-hmm. And on Sundays, I had a routine and I didn't even realize this was a routine. But around Sunday at six o'clock, I would call my mom and my stepfather at the time, and I would just start singing the blues. Oh my goodness, I don't want to go in tomorrow. Da, 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 da. I mean, it was like my normal. Yeah. And I probably did that a couple years. And I can remember having a conversation with them, my typical Sunday singing the blues. I don't want to go in on Monday. And they kind of tag teamed with me on this conversation and said, you can't call us anymore on Sundays and complain. <laughs> and it really did disrupt, like it, it disrupted my comfort zone. I was like, well, what do you mean? Why? Three hours. And I can remember them saying, listen, you're young. You're 26 years old. If you don't like what you're doing, then do something about it. And I really did view that as a challenge. It was sort of a shaking up in the inside of like, well, what do you mean? Do something about it. And they were like, change it. Didn't think that could do that, right? Yeah. Didn't think you could do that. And and guys, for me, my triggers were work was boring. And I would often say when people ask me about the job, I love who I work with. And that's who I would, that, it would be basically, I'd love who I work with, but the work was boring. But hey, I love who I work with. So that was my trigger and sign. So you guys may have something else. You might have something similar, but there's something that I think that just itches at you. Mm-hmm. You're right, can, Amy. For me, it took a year and a half, a year and a half, almost two years uh, before I left. Uh, how long 
before you kind of saw the signs? I was, I was, I ended up being there a total of five years, Mm -hmm. but I started feeling this in like year two. Yeah. Um, I just, I wasn't aware. I wasn't in tune. So for all of the listeners, Amy is like cutting your time in half because I didn't have a resource like chasing dreams with Amy. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't aware of what was happening. Um, but after this conversation with my parents, then I started to, I think that was like an awakening where I started to be more open around what are other things that I could possibly do. Now, ironically, um, because money was still very important to me at the time, I thought, you know what, if I can make more money, I know I can solve this whole unhappy situation that I'm in right now. Mm -hmm. So I went to my manager and I was like, I got to get like into another pay grade. And she said, you're not going to be able to do it unless you go back and earn your MBA. So I signed up, I got accepted into um, University of St. Thomas. And the best thing that ever happened to me, I think it was around second semester, a professor, his name was um, Dr. Charlie Bison. He challenged us and he said, this assignment that I'm going to give you is I want you to identify every major decision you've made in your life. And I need you to tell me what was the driving force behind that decision. Ooh. I mean, it was, I'm telling you, best thing Ooh. that ever happened to me. Um, of course, I'm a high achiever. I took the assignment really serious. And it was in that assignment, I had an aha. And the aha was money was the driving decision that was behind every single choice. And again, remember, my mom had me at age 15. My father was also a teenager. You can only imagine that we also went through our share of struggle. Family was filled with a lot of love, but there was definitely always in my mind a financial consideration around everything. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I'm going to design a life that's around earning potential. And I could also even trace it to that young girl that I told you about in the first grade. You know, I made that decision also because I noticed when I would throw things out, um, careers that made a lot of money, I also could see reflecting back in my family's eyes, obviously making money is the way to go. And that's what also impressed my family. It impressed my grandmother. And so it was like this huge awakening, like you've been on a path since like first grade of trying to impress others by throwing out these fancy names and you landed the computer science degree, but money is in the driver's seat. And it was in this paper that I said, money has been the driving force, but I am so curious to see what my life would become if I allowed purpose and passion to take the keys from this moment forward and uh, get in the driver's seat. And it was sort of like a question there. And I actually ended the paper with saying, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a try of leading with purpose versus money. Okay. And so, (laughs) yeah, you see, I'm like, hold up. And and having been similar shoes, I I understand where the thought is, but for those who who are listening, right? And you guys go to the YouTube, you can see my face, my facial respect reactions <laughs> to this. But uh, why? Why? Why take that chance? Why pursue the question of what happens if you follow passion and purpose versus money when you're making the money? Was it the fact that you were unhappy? It was because that's a leap. 
Yeah. The why was because in doing that assignment, I got really honest with myself and I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. There wasn't joy that there. And I just realized, like, I think I can actually do this corporate thing. I think I can do extremely well, Mm -hmm. but I think I'm going to be a highly paid, unhappy individual. It's almost like I I, I could see what the future was going to have. That that is fantastic. I mean, not that you had to go through that, but that that you had that realization because oftentimes people will come to that work in the road and say, well, you know, I'm at least making money, right? And that'll cover up my unhappiness. And I think we both can say, guys, no, that's not how it works. And it, it doesn't work. Don't be arrogant enough to think that you will be the exception for the rule. The rule is money doesn't buy happiness. Oh, that's so good, Amy. Yeah. Right? But how often do we think that it's going to be different for us and therefore we keep on suffering? And I love that you decided, hey, I'm going to do it. So you make that, you you end the paper with that declaration. You didn't go and quit your job right away, did you? Well, then um, that was the start of chasing dreams. Okay. (laughs) Um, And the start actually started with, a simple exercise. I asked myself the question, if I could view myself from the inside out, what would I find? Like, what were my natural gifts? What were my natural skills? And what brought me joy? And I remember drawing this stick figure and I would write and scribble all of these words. This was a stage of just simply awareness. It was self-awareness. I realized that I like being creative. I realized that I like the entertainment industry. I realized that I loved music. I loved fashion. In this phase, I did not try to connect the dots between the things that brought me joy. I just listed them. Okay. Okay. Once I listed them, then I said, now I'm going to kind of do research at what are the different careers that are tied to some of these interest areas. Um, weird assignment. But remember, music and entertainment was one of those words that I wrote down. Yeah. I'm, I'm about to age myself now. So um, it was around about this time that I think MTV had a, a reality show with P. Diddy called Making the Band. Yes. And this is the first round. So all of the young people that are listening to this, I know Making the Band is coming back, but I'm showing my age. This it's was the, the original. first round. It's the original. It's the original. I watched it. <laughs> exactly. I'm show, showing my age too. I don't care. So, yes. um, so I started watching the show, but it wasn't just watching a TV show. I would write down the names of the people that came on the show and what they did. And I would do research. And um, it was during watching one of these episodes that P. Diddy talked about um, the music industry, Def Jam, Kevin Lyles, this new book. Oh, the history. Yeah, the history Mm -hmm. and sort of a new book that had been released around sort of the business of hip hop. So in me doing my research, um, I started reading these books and I had this this idea that I want to transition into entertainment. I want to transition into this field, but I know no one. So how can I get a foot in the door? And this idea of being willing to volunteer in exchange for an opportunity to learn was going to be my way in. Um, don't really, I can't tell you where that idea came from. It was just, I don't know. It just popped in my mind. 
Um, I also started to volunteer as much as possible. So I volunteered on a movie set. There was actually a movie being made in Minneapolis at the time because that's where I live. And um, even during my volunteer experiences, I learned more about myself. So in one of the volunteer experiences, I volunteered in the fashion department at a movie where I was dressing the different stars of the movie. And I realized, "Mm, although I love fashion, this isn't it. But if I wasn't willing to try different things on, I was actually in what I call the the process of purpose elimination, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that's what it was. So as I was trying these different experiences, I would say, I like it. I don't like it. I like it. I don't like it. Um, So at first I was primarily volunteering in Minneapolis, but I knew entertainment that was, you know, in New York City. So I ended up volunteering here in New York City with a company um, called Rush Communications. And Rush Communications was the parent company for um, companies that were on like the the cusp of hip hop. So Um, Baby Fat was under there. Fat Farm was under there. Def Jam was under there. You had rising leaders coming out of the company like Kevin Lyles, Julie Greenwald. Of course, you had people like um, Kamora Lee Simmons, Russell Simmons, Lior Coy. Um, so kind of top talent that was shaping hip hop and pop culture. Well, I offered my services to this company for free. I said, I'm willing to work for no fee in exchange for an opportunity to learn from the leaders. Um, And it was during this time also that I said, you know what, my dream is in New York City. My security is in Minneapolis at IBM Global Services. And I took the, the courageous leap, the courageous stretch outside of the comfort zone that I now write write about and call the big stretch. And one thing that I've realized is every big dream that's been accomplished for you dream chasers, you're not going to chase a dream in the zip code of your comfort zone. It's going to always be outside of the comfort zone. And this was my first stretch when I wrote that resignation to IBM Global Services. Um, my, my stretch was moving to New York city and not knowing a soul, um, moving to New York city without a job, but saying that I'm going there to volunteer, um, there, this was sort of the biggest stretch up until that point in my life that I'd ever taken. And I was being called crazy by family members. Um, I, I kept it a secret from my grandmother. There was no way I was going to disappoint her and let her find out I, I didn't have my good, good job. Um, but you know what, Amy? This was the beginning of my truly chasing dreams um, when it kicked off. So, so we got to talk about this. <laughs> we got to talk about this. First of all, first of all, you volunteered. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much I love to hear the fact that you volunteered and got these opportunities? I don't think enough people volunteer for experience. They're mm-hmm. always expecting money out of it. And I understand, guys, you need money to, to survive. But there is a power in volunteering or, you know, doing something out of the norm, which is like volunteering for a job to get the experience that changes the game. Changes mm-hmm. how people see you, changes the experience you'll have, and let do it. 
All right. If you're chasing your dream and you want to experience something, especially, especially if it's outside what you normally do, volunteer, because that's how you'll learn. That's how they'll accept you versus hiring someone with experience. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I knew that there were tons of people that were, you know, showing up at these leading companies that were on the forefront of pop culture and hip hop. But I, I totally think that that my willingness to work for no fee in exchange for the learning opportunity was sort of the secret sauce that had me cut through the clutter. And by no means am I saying not know your value. There's another whole session. I can tell you about that. Um, And understanding your worth. Absolutely. But I think there's also wisdom and power in knowing when to play what card. And that particular card in that moment changed the trajectory of my entire career. I went from, I can't even say I was an intern, Amy, because interns got paid. I went from below an intern to general manager of that company within one year to the date of me showing up volunteering. And you guys don't understand, when you change fields, mm-hmm. there is a hesitation to bring you on because there are other people who, who knew from the start this was for them. So the fact that she volunteered for a year right? Unpaid? No. So I ended up volunteering probably like five months before I started to get paid. But within one year, I went from starting volunteering to the general manager of the entire holding company. I would hire you. I mean, (laughs) because here's why. You would do anything for that job. You had a passion right? Again, what you Mm -hmm. were trying to do. Your passion was showing because it wasn't about the money. It was about the work. You put that ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And that is something not everyone does and is commendable. And, you know, let's go back though to when you first started these volunteer opportunities, because you said security was in Minneapolis. Security was in IBM. Were you also volunteering and working So I actually first started volunteering while working. Okay. So um, I was really good at my job. And and when you start to do these things, you have to cover your bases. So I had to make sure that I I was doing my job extremely well before I started to take on volunteering opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I found ways, like, can I do my job in... um, 40 hours to a T and then use additional hours to volunteer, whether it was over the weekend um, or or after work. Um, That's what I started doing. And then this movie set opportunity. And sometimes you just have to think completely out of the box. When the movie set opportunity came, I viewed it as a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I read my employee handbook and believe it or not, IBM is such an amazing company in the fine print of this handbook, it said you had an opportunity to like rework your schedule or go on leave of absences if you got a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I went to my manager and said, listen, I want to rework my hours completely because I view this as a once in a lifetime opportunity. I told her all the reasons why she should let me do it. I promised her that my accounts wouldn't suffer. And I got an approval on that. And so I ended up doing my IBM Global Services job in like maybe two to three days of the week. And sure. I used all of the other time to volunteer um, on this movie set. And the movie, it, it was like a six month movie set. And there were things that I learned inside of that volunteer opportunity. Number one, it gave me a taste of like 
the creative entertainment film sure. industry. It allowed me to work with creatives versus before at IBM, I was working with techie, computer mm-hmm. science Different type words. mindsets. Um, so it did give me a taste of the creative world. But um, because I was in the fashion department and I was responsible for like dressing all of the characters, the lead creative director told me at the end of the assignment, she said, listen, I can tell you're on some type of journey chasing dreams. Right. Mm -hmm. And she said, I commend you for trying something new. She said, but I must be honest with you. This is not it. And I was kind of disappointed and I asked her why. And she said, in all of my years of working with fashion uh, creatives, I've never seen anyone come to a set with a computer that has the the clothing organized in a spreadsheet by color. (laughs) She was like, something about the way your mind is thinking, this is not it, baby girl. (laughs) You brought organization and logistics to them. And they were like, what? What's going on? Got the job done. But you were meant for better things. And listen, I, I truly believe God puts people in our lives to tell us things that we would normally not tell ourselves. And so... You found it. You moved to New York. You make the leap, which is courageous, right? To go. And New York is not cheap, guys, to live in there, to volunteer and live there. So did you find a way? Like, did you have savings? Like, when you make that kind of a leap. When I originally got to New York City, I did have savings. And I had around, um, and I knew this to a T before, I feel like I had around one year was my time that I could make it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I feel like it was maybe one year, but I knew to a T, like number one, I had to downsize. I moved into a studio apartment that was so small. I could literally open the front door from the shower. That's not a joke, Amy. That's the truth. (laughs) That's not surprising, though. It is New York City. Yes. And so I downsized so that I could stretch my dollars. Yeah. I had um, a time frame figured out to a T. I knew when my money was going to run out. And so inside of that, I think it kicked me into another level of urgency Mm -hmm. um, because I knew I had to make something happen within a certain time frame. But yes, I did have a certain amount of savings when I came to New York City. So guys, I, I gotta say, one, I am, I am, I know people have different mindsets about this, but you know, having a plan and before you take a leap isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I, I would recommend it, frankly. Like if, if you could have a plan, save your money, you know, and then go for it, then do that. If for some reason you can't do that, okay, cool. Just be safe. Be smart. That's that's what I'm going to say, because some people are like, no, it's all or nothing. Cool. That's not me. But if that's you all for it, just be smart, be safe and really be safe about that. Because and Amy, if you don't mind, I I will chime in here Um, inside of my book that I know we're going to be talking about in a few minutes, the big stretch. You know, I now have mentored um, thousands of dreamers. I've spoken to over 180,000 in the past three years. And here's something that I've found. Everyone's risk tolerance is not the same. And so there's an exercise in the book where you can get what I call a risk tolerance score. And it's unique to you. You can basically gauge sort of what are your responsibilities Um, what are your obligations? What are your fears? And also what's your comfort level? So for me, 
my risk tolerance is a little bit of a high number. It is. It, 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 was, it was definitely higher when I was younger. My risk tolerance <laughs> now that I'm getting older, it's kind of going down. Sure, but the but reason why it's going down is I have more responsibilities. I have nice. employees attached to my leaps now. Yeah. So when I came here, very light, two bags, the, I had a prayer, the Bible, it was just me. My risk tolerance was this high because I knew, you know, it's all on me. If, if it doesn't work, okay, I'm going to end up going back and live with my parents. But now my risk tolerance is a little different because I have employees that's looking at me like, oh my God, is she going to have us jump? Um, so what I aim to do with the risk tolerance test would be to support you in finding out what does dreaming responsibly look like for you in this season. Mm-hmm. So if you are, you know, a, a listener that you maybe you're traveling light, maybe you don't have that many obligations, and maybe you can just stomach it. Go for it. But maybe you're listening and you want to chase your dreams, but you're you have tons of real responsibilities. You're a mother, you have a family, you have real bills. You can find a chasing dreams path that's right for you. See, and this is a perfect segue to talk about the book and to talk about uh, your new company and what you're doing and where you are headed. Because, you know, in doing this, in doing this journey, everything just kind of aligns itself in the right way because you're putting in the work. You're, you're doing it, right? You're an example, which is why I wanted you on the show. And here you are. You wrote a book. You started a company. How did we get there? Why, why do this, right? Yeah. You found a way. Well, I'll tell you this, that beginning phase that we just talked about, the chasing dreams, coming to New York City, um, I stayed on the path of following passion and purpose over the years. That later led to me starting my own company, Mm -hmm. um, and I merged even more interests. I work with Fortune 100 companies to create creative campaigns to reach multicultural audiences. And to me, it was like the best of all worlds when I started this company. And the name of that company is Igami Group. And we are an award-winning multicultural firm based here in New York. Um, Our clients are Procter & Gamble, um, Olay, Gain, like really big brands that you probably have in your home. Um, All of that, that that's out there right now, it really is an output of chasing dreams. And I, I want to make sure that the readers, you know, the listeners, you really do know, if you Google it and you start seeing Igami Group, it, it really started with chasing dreams. So that, that turned into that. Mm-hmm. And then along the way, here's what happens. So to all of the listeners, when you start chasing your dreams, th- it works like this every time. You're going to inspire others to chase their dreams. So I started to find that other people would come to me and say, hey, you know, the things that you're doing, they look a little crazy, but they seem (laughs) to be working out. (laughs) Um, I have this idea. Do you think I should do it or not? And um, I also found joy in like coaching other dreamers. I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. Um, So I started an initiative called the Dream Project. And the desire behind the dream project was to inspire another generation of dreamers. And um, it started as a symposium that I would host in Atlanta. I would bring in iconic dreamers like Magic Johnson, um, the founder of Rent the Runway, um, Jennifer Fleiss, 
Christine Kane. Um, I've interviewed um, even like the founder of Me Too movement, Tarana Burke. Amazing. Just really dreamers that have achieved massive, impactful success on the world. And I would bring them in to inspire other dreamers. And um, it was also filled with a lot of how-to because I think it's we can easily say raw, 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 but you need that how-to, like the blueprint. Yeah. I, I've been doing that for seven years. And um, a year and a half ago, McGraw-Hill, which is a leading you know publisher here in New York, said, I want you to take the key learnings from the Dream Project. And can you take those key learnings and channel it into a book that can serve as like a kickstart, jumpstart for anyone that desires to live out their dream. And um, that was sort of my challenge when when I signed the deal with McGraw-Hill to write this book. I had thousands um, of hours of content from seven years of doing the dream project. And yes, I had all of these stories that are now featured in the book. Um, Damon John from Shark Tank, Kathy Hughes, Will Packer, um, really iconic dreamers that I interviewed. But even more importantly than all of those interviews, I, at this point, had lived it for 16 years. <laughs> um, so I knew about taking leaps and stretching beyond your comfort zone. I knew it for myself. Sure. Um, and inside of this new book that, that just came out last year, um, The Big Stretch, 90 Days to Expand Your Dreams, Crush Your Goals, and Create Your Own Success. It's a 12-week, 90-day guide for a dreamer to, number one, get in contact with what is the dream that you want to achieve. There's a whole session where I, I encourage you to give yourself time to imagine and dream again. And then phase two is about designing. I support the dreamer to design an infrastructure, a plan. Amy, you just mentioned the importance of putting a framework and a plan around that dream. And then for all of my dream chasers, the third phase, I got to tell you, the third phase was my favorite to write, (laughs) is dare. And um, in dare, I just really get you comfortable with being uncomfortable. There's exercises in there where I'm challenging you to make daring pitches. I'm challenging you to get outside of your comfort zone. I'm challenging you to get uncomfortable with maybe hearing no, you know, no, you know, no, this isn't possible. Um, and then the last phase is do. And so for all of the dream chasers, you know, it's, it's pretty easy when you have that dream and you've decided, yes, I'm going to start, right? Sure. It's, I don't want to say it's easy because you got to have the courageousness to first make that stretch and be willing to chase. Yeah. But there's a fire in the beginning phase that will really fuel you. The do section isn't about the beginning phase. The do section is, will you chase this dream for the long term? Will you chase this dream when you're down, when there's so many obstacles in front of you that you think perhaps the only option is to quit? The do phase I really encourage you to unleash what I call the dream warrior in you, where you're going to have to fight to stay in the game for the long term. And so I give you the blueprint. Um, It's my new baby. It's my new, like new dream passion. And the idea and intention behind this new piece of work is to equip thousands and thousands of dreamers around this world with the blueprint to stretch 
beyond their comfort zone, to expand into the best version of themselves, um, to expand in who, into the dreamer that they know they're destined to become, and ultimately to chase that dream. I love it. I love it. And guys, check it out. I'll, the link will be in the show notes, right? It's Amazon. It's Barnes & Nobles. You guys can find it. <clears throat> the thing I want to talk about is this is stuff you didn't anticipate when you were young, right? You didn't see this coming. I mean, from what you said in, in the beginning and setting yourself up, this wasn't on the horizon. And I can only imagine if you had not taken that daring leap where you would be today, right? Mm. But for your courage to take that leap and chase your dream, to put passion, purpose, and your own happiness over money, look at the things that have come out of it. And I think that's, that's the thing I want you guys to hear is for all that Tanisha did, she just took one step at a time, followed her heart, followed her passion. And I mean, I can't even, we haven't even touched the surface of probably the experiences she's had. I want you to understand that guys. This is like probably could be easily a part one, part two, part three kind of conversation because I have so many questions still that I could ask you, honestly. But what I, what I want to kind of wrap up with this is all these things that came about because you were doing your dream, following your dream, chasing your dream, right? Wasn't, it, it seems like, I want to make sure everyone hears what, what you're saying was a result of one action after another. Yeah. You don't really, um, I think, you know, when you're in this dreaming, chasing journey, right? You really don't know what the end is going to be. You have visions, right? And I think those visions inspire us. Um, but you don't have like a guarantee. <laughs> I think if we had, if everybody had, listen, stretch, don't worry about it. Here's your guarantee. Everyone would be out here stretching, chasing right. and chasing. I didn't really have that guarantee, but I believe that it would work out. And I, um, I was, I was unwilling to not try. I, I felt that there was another version of myself that I was unwilling to not, not meet. I wanted to know that other version. And she just really, you know, it, every, I mean, honestly, every year I'm meeting another version of myself because I'm willing to stretch and expand. So the young 26-year-old that came to New York with two bags, the Bible, and dreaming, did I know that she could become a CEO of a multi-million dollar business? No. A book I would have been, been like, no, no way. Oh, what are you kidding? Did I know that she could become, um, yes, a book author? Um, did I know that she could grace some of the stages that I've graced? No. And I'm meeting different versions of myself and it's all being tied to the willingness of me being able yeah. to stretch beyond that comfort zone. Oh, absolutely. And here's the thing, guys. Uh, Tanisha knew the path that was laid before her if she continued her job at IBM. But for her decision, right, she had an uncertain path and unknown. But what's exciting to me, and this is the whole thing about chasing dreams, for me has always been not the destination. 
And it's not about that final dream. Good. It's the journey. The journey. And the journey you have been on. And I, I didn't I didn't have her on the show because she's the author of a book or because she's CEO. It's because of her journey, her story. Can you hear it? Like I this is why, because it's an amazing thing. And I got I want you to check out her book, especially those of you who are afraid because your risk tolerance is low because of the fact that you have jobs, because you have family, because you're taking care of someone and you think you can't do it, I want you to check out her book. Mm -hmm. I want you to look at it and see what she has to say because, well, let me ask you, let me not put it in words. As someone who has helped and mentored and, and seen a number and variety of people, for those with families, those with two jobs maybe even, those with, like you said, low risk tolerance, can they still chase their dream? Absolutely. And Amy, this has probably been one of the most exciting interviews that I've done because we're just, man, you're just, we're just tracking. <laughs> and, and, and for the listeners, we didn't practice beforehand. We, I had we, no idea what she was going to ask. Um, so yes, there is um, something that I have in the book, which is, and, and you can actually go online and do this right now. Um, you can go online at thebigstretchbook.com. And there's something on that site called a dreamer profile assessment. And I created this assessment because I realized in speaking to so many dreamers, sometimes individuals would feel pressure. Like, well, do I have to go all in? Do I have to mm. quit my job? Th the thing that you just said, Amy. And so in this assessment, I have you take this test and there's five different dreamer types. Um, one is what I call a make it happen dreamer. So the make it happen dreamer is someone with a high risk tolerance. They've never worked for anybody a day in their life, or if they did, they were fired shortly thereafter because mm -hmm. they want to do things their way. Um, these dreamers have high risk tolerance and they're typically um, entrepreneurs. But then there's another dreamer type that I talk about that, man, I think is is amazing called careerpreneurs. And these are individuals that, you know what? Mm -hmm. They don't want to take some big high risk. My best friend, Shalanda Soroyer, she's not here for it. Like all of this stuff that you've been <laughs> hearing me talk about, she's been like, yeah, that's good, but it's not her. Like she's it's, she's just not made up to 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 make these big risks and leaps and, and all of that okay. stuff. And for a careerpreneur, they actually thrive working inside of organizations, working inside of corporations. But what's important for them is to be able to align their purpose and profession in the walls of, you know, whatever entity it is that you're working for. One of my favorite um, careerpreneurs is Mark Pritchard. He's now the CMO of uh, Procter & Gamble, but he worked his way up as a careerpreneur, step by step, but every time sort of aligning that purpose and profession. Then the third dreamer type is a hobby dreamer. And so a hobby dreamer will find passion in, you know, maybe it's some creative um, hobby, whether it's a photographer, fitness, travel, but this dreamer type is very aware that they want to nurture their passion and their hobby, but they don't want to put the responsibility of their hobby to take care of them and their family. Mm -hmm. So I have um, a partner at an investment firm. Her name is Christina Todd. She had so many other interests. She was a dreamer, but she knew 
I want to nurture these things like my hobby of travel and fitness, but I don't want to do this for a living. So what she did was actually start an Instagram and a blog platform where she ended up becoming this big influencer and she's getting paid now monetizing her hobby, but she still has a full-time job. Um, The other dreamer type is an activist dreamer. And so an activist dreamer is someone that they will go through the world, they see a problem and they have to do something about the problem. These are people that sort of dedicate their lives to solving big world issues. I interviewed uh, the founder of the Me Too movement, Tarana Burke. Tarana told me, Tanisha, when I was a little girl, if I saw a problem, I was the one that was like making signs, we gotta do something about this. And that's the activist dreamer. And the last one is a CEO dreamer. And perhaps you are in a traditional career and you know at some point, one day, I wanna take all of this experience and give it a shot to be my own boss where I'm going to transition um, to become a CEO, but by using those skills. Mm -hmm. So those are five different dreamer types. And for the listeners, I encourage you to go take that test because I do a lot in the upfront of the book to help you find a stretch path that's right for you. And in, in the words of Amy, I'm helping you find a chasing dream path that's right for you based on the season of where you are in life. So absolutely, you can chase a dream. If you if you are listening to this and you have children and you have tons of responsibility, you're not off the hook. There's some type of passion or fire that's burning in you that you can also determine what does your next stretch look like? Is it you know going after that big next promotion? Is it finally dusting off um, you know, that baking skill or that hobby that you know you're supposed to do something with? Or is it, you know what, it's time for me to take the big leap. I have all of the skills and now I'm supposed to start my own company. I don't know what that answer is that's right for you. Amy doesn't even know what that answer is that's right for you. But what we do know is the journey of chasing dreams, the journey of stretching makes life so much more exciting than not. It does, guys. I mean, I'm... I'm generally a day job and I'm still passionately pursuing my dreams, right? And I love how Tanisha just explained everything because I think sometimes we're so caught up that if if it doesn't become a job, if it's not a business, then I can't chase a dream, that it's not a dream, frankly. And so I'm glad you explained the different types of dreamers because, guys, we all fall into it. We fall into some kind of category and we can all chase our dreams. That's the point that we want to get to you guys. And so links will be in the show notes. Check it out. One more time though, Tanisha, what is the link? www.thebigstretchbook.com. All right. I want you guys to check it out. Okay. Now, before I let you go, Tanisha, we got to get to know you just a little bit better. So we got five questions. Are we going to start working out some of your new sounds, your new production with these questions? Let's see. Okay. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. I'm going to get some new sound effects, guys. We're going to really play this up. All right. Okay. Question number one. What is the best musical you have seen? Mm, that is a good one. Um, and I hope this is a musical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell me. I would say The Lion King on Broadway. That is a musical. Okay. Yep. All right. The Lion King on Broadway. My husband and I... Um, 
Lion King is like his favorite movie of all time. Okay. And so I had to take him to that show on Broadway and he loved it. Did you love it? I did too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. did you love it? But yes, that is awesome. I, that is one that's on my bucket list. You got to come. See. You got to go see. I haven't seen that one. I want to see. It's magical. Aladdin. I want to see Aladdin mm. first. Okay. But Lion King is on the list too. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. When was the last time you went dancing? I love to dance. Um, let me see. When was the last time I had like a good I was going to say, because if, if, if it's not in the last year, we're going to have to talk about the fact that you love dancing. I know. Um, you know what? There is an award ceremony that that I go to every year called the Ag Color Awards. And it's like an industry oh, yeah, yeah. award. And um, I went this past September. So that's kind of boring that it was that long ago. But I went this past. Well, it's, in the year. It's a, yeah. I went this past year towards the end of the year. And the after party had an amazing DJ. And I danced my heart out. Nice. Those Although I have a dance party every morning in my house. There you go. In the morning, I just, I blast Prince, Beyonce, and my husband says that I do like a whole show. Uh, nice. <laughs> and it's for me. Have fun. <laughs> That's the best part. All right. Who was the best teacher you've had? Ooh. Um, I've had many teachers. Um, I'll tell you one that it's a moment that pierced my heart. Okay. Uh, it was a mentor moment. Uh, one of the speakers that I brought into Dream Project, his name is Dr. Bruce Wilkerson. And he is the author of a book called The Dream Giver. Amy, you got to get this book, okay? okay? All of the listeners that's listening to this, I know you got to get my book. I told you about the big stretch, <laughs> but you also got to get my um, Dr. Bruce Wilkerson's book called The Dream Giver. Every dreamer needs it. So I brought him in as a speaker to kind of share him with the Dream Project community. And um, I always do prep calls with all of my speakers. And I thought I was preparing him, you know, in your normal way. And at the end of the conversation, he said, hey, I got a question for you. I'm all ready. He said, but I want to know what's your dream for this dream? And no one had ever asked me that question. Mm. Um, and I said, what do you mean? And he was like, what is your dream for this dream? And at the time it was dream project. And I told him, um, I said, I guess I would have to say maybe having 1000 people attend the symposium at the time around 300 people attended every year. And I could, it felt like I said something wrong. I said, Dr. Bruce, are you there? And um, he said back to me, he said, my, my, how small are you holding God? Yes. And it pierced my heart. Um, I started to cry. It was, it was one of those from the inside out. I started to cry where I realized, you know what? You're holding your dreams in the realm of what you think is possible through your own strength. But just what if you gave a dream over to a power that's greater than yourself and you lived inside of God's dream for you? What would that look like if you took your own limits off? And um, it was an expansion that happened in my soul where I took the limits off. I, I did that spiritually in the inside first. Fast forward uh, a couple years later, I took a stage inside of a partnership with Bishop T.D. Jakes, a platform that he had called Mega Fest. We co-created something together called Mega Dream. And when I walked out on the first stage, 
there were 4,000 people looking back at me. When I walked out on his main stage, there was 100,000 people looking back at me. And that was a mega dream. That's what taking the limits off looked like. Oof. I'm still, that's reverberating in my head. You were supposed to hear that, Amy. Like, where is this? I don't even, hold on. There it goes. (laughs) (laughs) That deserved it. That's, oof. Oh my goodness. That's still hitting me. Uh, Which food or wine craze do you think is silly? Food craze. I love to eat. So I don't know if I think there's any food crazes. Mm, I have that one, are silly. What's yours? Um, that's silly. Or crazy or just overrated or. Okay. Overrated. Mm. Hold on. I'm, I always want to make sure it's a truthful answer. <laughs> trying to see something that I've had that I'm like, what's so, what was the, what's. I don't know if I have one. All right. You tell me yours. I'm sorry, Amy. It's okay. It's all right. You don't have to have one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say the Popeye's chicken. Oh, that the chicken sandwich. I didn't, I'm I'm a pescatarian, so I didn't have it. Was it worth it? uh, I, okay. Admittedly, I have not had it, but that's because (laughs) I just think the fight between that and Chick-fil-A is just, it's a chicken sandwich, guys. (laughs) I mean, if you want to fight me on it, go ahead and buy me one. But I wasn't going to stand in line for two hours or whatever craze that people were doing to get it. I mean, really? But that's fair. That's fair not to, not to have one, but that's the one I'm going to put out there. I'm going to okay. give you, you you're going to get a makeup question for that. What's on your bucket list? My bucket list. Um, I'll give you um, some a, a vision that I've had, like two different visions. I've had a vision where I'm I'm in the ocean and I'm deep under. So I'm thinking I would like to do some type of ocean deep dive or deep dive. And I want to be able to hear music when I do it. I don't have no idea why, but I feel like my spirit would be like free doing that. That's interesting. I know. (laughs) I'm going to follow you on Instagram or something. (laughs) The moment when I do it, right? Yeah. All right, we're going to make up for that last one. What, last question, what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote, I heard this my freshman year in college in a philosophy class. And the quote stated, all things excellent are as difficult as they are rare. I'll say it again. All things excellent are as difficult as they are rare. And the reason why that's my favorite quote is it's, it, it has always been a reminder to me that the journey that I'm on, I know that there's going to be hard work inside of it. I know there's going to be sacrifices in it. I know that this, in, this isn't the journey that's traveled by many. But on the other side, as difficult as it may be for me to stay on this journey and and toughen it out, it's as rare, like the people that will make it to where I'm making it, if that makes sense. So I'll I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. So I've been on this journey for 12 years of building Igami Group, this Mm -hmm. marketing firm that I told you about. 
Well, last year, I ended up becoming the first female African-American-led firm to win a Can Lion Grand Prix, which is like the Oscars of advertising. And so for many, they probably saw like this historic moment, Black woman making history at Can. But I could say this, that quote, all things difficult is at, wait, all things excellent, excellent are as difficult as they are rare. So that excellent moment, 12 years, 12 years to get there, rare and difficulty kind of went hand in hand as a correlation to how rare that moment was. Love it. I love it. I love it. Tanisha, thank you so much. Before I let you go, what is one thing these guys should do before they, well, so that they can chase their dream? One thing. The first thing is say yes to the stretch. Remember, guys, I've spoken to 180,000 dreamers in the last three years alone. The one universal truth of every dreamer is at some point, at some page in their dream story, they have an idea, they have something that says there is more. There is some type of calling that is outside of themselves. It's outside of the comfort zone and they're they're faced with the moment and they all say yes to the stretch. And the stretch is the distance between the comfort zone and that dream. It's saying yes to the expansion that will be necessary for you to become the best version of yourself. So the one thing that I will tell you is say yes to the stretch. Love it. I love it. Tanisha, how can these guys keep in touch with you online? All right. So all of my handles on social media at Tanisha J. Warner. And I know Amy has my name up um, so you you can look at the spelling. But Tanisha, T-E-N-E-S-H-I-A, J Warner. So follow me. I'm going to be out on social media, talking, posting things. And you can also stay tuned at thebigstretchbook.com to see all of the latest happenings around the book. Um, That's where my blog is right now. So I'm blogging on a regular basis. So sign up there. Um, And that's how you stay in contact with me. I love it, Tanisha. Thank you so much. Guys, You can find all those links that we mentioned, more about Tanisha, the book, and everything over on the show notes page at amyj21.com slash episode 215. That's episode 215. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, you are awesome, you are loved, and you are needed. And most importantly, you are enough. All right? So until next time, don't stop. Keep chasing. Thanks, Tanisha. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at chasingdreamshq.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.